You're listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org. Well, we're honored to have our teenagers be reading our passage of Scripture. I invite you to keep your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 1. If you brought a copy of God's Word, fantastic. If not, I think it's on page 1159, if memory serves, in your pew Bible, and just invite you to camp out there with me. Would I... Well, I'd be a surprise to you if I told you that we're less than four weeks away from Easter. Would that shock anybody? Yeah, kind of surprising. A few weeks ago, we had the, all the snow, and now here is Easter right up on top of us. You know, we didn't get to celebrate Easter together last year. We celebrated online. And so I'm looking forward to this Easter, and I really want to celebrate it together. And I want to leverage all of it to honor the Lord. But beyond that, I think one of the ways that the Lord has told us we honor Him is by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And so the graphic that you see in front of you, I want to invite you to text the number Easter 21 to the number you're seeing. Would you go ahead and just do that right now? Just text Easter 21 to 817-339-6633. And when you do that, that graphic is going to come in your text message. And what I want you to do is I want you to prayerfully consider how to celebrate this holiday of Easter. God may lead you to invite a coworker, a family member, someone who's a neighbor. You may have a tremendous feast thereafter. Uh, just open up your home perhaps or go out to eat. But this could be a really life-changing holiday for someone. And so I want to invite you to do that. And I believe as soon as you text it, it should be coming to you, and if the technology is not working, well, please come see me afterwards because I'm the technology guru. I'll have that fixed for you in no time. But we do want to know. We want that to be a help to you. So I'm looking forward to having a great Easter. Listen, when you invite them, they will clearly hear the gospel. Our text, God willing, that day is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. So I promise you, if you bring people who don't know Christ as your pastor, I will do all within my power to communicate the good news of Jesus, and we'll have a great Sunday together. Let's keep our study now of Ephesians 1 as we in this series on prayer. You know, when you think about power, maybe you're like me. Before a few weeks ago, I did not know that an organization named ERCOT existed. You know, when the power got turned off in my house, and I go to Twitter, and I'm thinking, who... Who's responsible for this? Yeah, right? So, ERCOT is Electrical Reliability Council of Texas. And their job is daunting. And I don't want to have any fingers pointed today because I have a feeling there's a lot of hardworking people over that past week. But 4 million Texans lost power a few weeks ago. 4 million. Now, get this ERCOT is responsible at one level or another for 46,500 miles of transmission lines. That's a lot of lines. That's a lot of Texans digging around in dirt someplace, and God only knows what they're doing, right? And what they'll say, though many of the board has resigned since the, the crisis of a few weeks ago, is that Texas, we lost nearly half of our generating capacity that week. And they themselves said, we're almost in a meltdown. We almost lost power for a long period of time. And some of you know this. You're fixing pipes that busted and kitchens and bathrooms and 
all kinds of things. Power, electrical power. There's another kind of power I read about recently. There's a guy named Ed, Ed Curry, who came up with the Carolina Reaper. Now get this, former banker, he begins to grow peppers and he begins to genetically tweak peppers. And Ed Curry, known as Smoking Ed, came up with the World Guinness Book World Records, the hottest chili pepper known anywhere in the world. Ed himself said that when he first, first bit into the pepper, he hallucinated. <laughs> One man said that in a contest when he ate some of the pepper, he went to the hospital for several days. You're going to love this. You know the name of Ed's pepper company? It is the Pucker Butt Pepper Company. <laughs> now, there are some of you today who say, now that I know about this, I'm going to try that. I've got to have some of that. Yeah. You, my foolish friend, can go on and do stupid. Power, whether it's power of the heat of a pepper or the power that we lose, I encountered, in fact, one dam in China that was more than a mile wide over a river there and taller. The dam itself is taller than the Washington Monument. And in one hour, this dam produces enough power to power the entire city of Orlando for two weeks. It's a lot of power. Embedded in Ephesians 1 is a prayer for us to know power. It's not electrical power. It's a supernatural, moral, and spiritual power. Embedded in verse 19, as we're going to see, the Bible's going to say to us who believe in Christ that we're to pray, earnestly pray, to know, to know the power. Now, this power is over the top, over the top. It raises, the power available to you raises the very Son of God it's the power that seats Jesus Christ at the ascension. This is an incredible power. So today what I want to look at with you is for you and I to pray for this, as the Bible's instructed us to do so. And I want to ask a couple questions of the text. I want to ask first, what is it? Do I benefit from it? And third, what good does it do me? Really practical questions. What is it? Do I benefit from it? And what good would it do me? First, as you look at verse 19, the Bible goes at great pains to tell us what this power is capable of. What's not clear in English, but becomes really clear in Greek, at the end of verse 19, it literally says this, according to the power of the power of the power. Paul is piling up words in verse 19 like cars would pile up a few weeks ago over on 35. According to the power of the power of the power. There's four Greek words that Paul will use to describe this power, all of which at some level or another, they're overlapping. They mean power. In fact, let me help you with this. The word immeasurable in verse 19, we get our word hooper, or we get our word super from that. The second word that describes power is the word greatness. We get our word mega from it. And the third word is just translated power, is the Greek word dunamis. Dynamite would not come into existence for another thousand years after the 
writing in the New Testament, but when they saw the power of dynamite, they used the very word, the Greek word, according to the power of the power of the power. So Paul is piling up words here. He wants you, first of all, to know, if you are a believing friend, that this is an incredibly great power. In fact, he goes on in verse 20. He says that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So let's stop and think about this for just a second. Whether you believe the Bible or not, the Bible is saying in verse 20 that the very power that powered Easter is available to the believer. That's a lot. And then he goes on and seated him in the heavenly places. And what's that about? Over here in SMU area, you can go into a mock Oval Office. Uh, some our family and I did that. And my youngest might have been 13 or 14 at the time. He sat in the Oval Office chair, right? That's just who he is. God help me, right? But now, if you and I were to go to the real Oval Office, to the White House, and if somehow we were to get in the Oval Office, would you plop yourself in that chair? Even if the president himself said, sit down, I said, no, sir, Mr. President. The chair in verse 20 is not the Oval Office chair. It's much more powerful than that. This is the chair that runs the universe. There's always a principle in the Bible. Let me make it real simple. Spiritual power runs physical power. Physical power is never the backstop of authority. It's always spiritual. And the Bible's telling us that the power that raised Jesus and seated Jesus at the right hand of the Father, in fact, it goes further in verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the one to come. In other words, he has no competitors. Here in a few weeks, there'll be a basketball tournament. There is no tournament with Jesus. There is no final four with Jesus. There are no competitors. There's some would-bes and wannabes. This is the power that's available to us. The Bible is telling us, let me just, I just want to make sure you're clear. The Bible is telling you that so much power is available, it uses the word power four times in verse 19, and then it comes across, and what's really clear, the power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated Jesus at the right hand of God the Father, and there are no competitors. Three physicists in 1942 got together, Enrique Fermi, Leo Szilard, and Eugene Wigner. These three men set up a makeshift laboratory at the University of Chicago, really a racquetball court. Their desire was to split the atom. They wanted the first self-sustaining nuclear chain reaction. They wanted it because it would be a powerful weapon against the Nazis. One of the men himself was a Jew who'd come from Europe. And these men, along with dozens of others, worked as much as 90 hours a week. They never took a day off. The reason was they were so fearful that they would be second to nuclear power, that the Nazis would be first, that the Nazis would take Einstein's E equals MC squared, and once they had that, they had the weapon. And one afternoon at 325 in the afternoon, 49 people huddled around an inside balcony of a makeshift laboratory, and the scientists finally heard the clickety-clack of a Geiger counter. And for the first time in history, 
a nuclear atom, a nuclear power, had come into age, and we were in the atomic age. Now, is that a lot of power? Well, I tell you that 40 miles to the southwest of here is a place called Comanche Peak that will power more than one million homes in Fort Worth and Tarrant County on any given day in any given year. We've entered the atomic page. That's an incredible power. But the power that we're talking about in verse 19 and 20 is supernatural. It's a force that is to ultimately to reckon with, but a force that we could enjoy and work on our behalf. Look at these words, verse 19, immeasurable, verse 19, immeasurable greatness of his power. I want to just sort of slow things down for just a moment, and I want to give you a word picture for the word immeasurable. I want to bring this home. Anybody in the room like football? It's still Texas. Am I a bunch of Yankees? This is Texas, right? We like football. Troy Aikman said that the best arm on a quarterback that he had seen was the young quarterback up in Buffalo, Josh something. When you talk about arm strength, I don't know if there's any non-football loving people in the room, talking about arm strength, that's what young men get paid big bucks for. You'll hear things like he's got a cannon for an arm or a mobile cannon. When you think about that, you think about stories that I countered this week where one young man threw 80 yards from his knees. And you got you to think of Brett Favre. Now, some of you only know Brett Favre from selling that thing that goes on the arm, whatever that thing's supposed to do. But the young Brett Favre, he had some arm strength. And it was said that his receivers, often they would split their fingers in catching the ball. That's what his coach said, his quarterback coach. He would split the fingers of receivers. He whipped that ball in there so fast. We think of a gunslinger. What well, you can take that word picture and bring it right into verse 19 because the word immeasurable means to throw over or to go beyond the mark. God is a gunslinger. He's got plenty of power. He's got power in reserve. If half of his generating power went off overnight, there's no worries. He's got incredible power, and you can think of him as one who has a cannon for an arm. All that is pictured in verse 19 when your Bible says immeasurable. So that's what it is. This power that's being offered to you is an incredible, immeasurable power that would raise Jesus from the dead and seat him at the right hand of the Father. So who benefits from it? Who benefits from this power? Go back in the Bible, verse 19, where the Bible says, toward us who believe. Toward us who believe. Now are those who are clergy who will call upon you to have faith. And oftentimes, as I listen carefully, it's almost having faith in faith. This is having faith in Jesus. And the world is altogether different. Think of, think of faith as a rope. And your rope of faith has to be attached to something secure. If I'm going to climb a rock wall at the top of that, I need a, a rope that's secure. And verse 19 says, toward those who believe. So let's get this Let's get what the Bible's teaching us here. We who know Christ are called to pray fervently and hard. Verse 18, that we would know the hope and the calling and then the power, verse 19. And just to get clear in this, verse 15 comes back and says much the same thing as verse 19. For this reason, Paul writes, and this is where the prayer begins, 
because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. So this is a prayer. Let me just let me just spread this like peanut butter over bread for just a moment. This is a prayer for those who know something of Jesus Christ and what he can do, and you've come to saving faith, but the Bible says for those of you who just want to collect you in God's arms, I want you to know, I want you to pray fervently. By the way, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? As I speak this to people who believe I'm so grateful for you who yet to embrace Christ that you're here because my desire would be for you to receive Christ and to benefit from all that's here. Please don't mistake those of us who do believe in Jesus as if we've got our act together because if you watched us for about 24 hours, oh shoot, you wouldn't need 24 hours, half a day. It's by the grace of God. And by the way, if you who are in the room today, if some of your high school classmates could know you, and that you are a believer in Jesus, they would, might ask, is God so hard up for followers that he let you in? And that's the grace of God, is it not? By the way, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ is a big deal. It's a point of celebration. It's a huge thing. And the Bible here is calling on us to believe, and those who believe to put our faith in another level. I love verse 15. I want to call your attention to it one more time. He says this, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Do you know that's happening, by the way? You know there are people in this city, in this community, that see your love for others and take note of it? They see that when a storm, like the storm that came a few weeks ago, that you open your bedroom when you have an extra bedroom, or that you make a phone call and say that we've got an extra cord of wood, or we don't have an extra bedroom, but we've got a couch. We would love for you all to come over. I understand your pipes are busted, and we would want to come over. Can we come? And a, a gift card, that kind of love, it is noticed, especially when you do it in the name of Jesus. And that's what the Bible calls for us to do. Jesus said this, this is how you'll know my disciples by their love for one another. That's powerful. We are a people who love that which is unlovable. And the Bible says other people are noticing, and that happens all the time. You give credibility to the name of Jesus, or you discredit the name of Jesus by that. So here's this prayer. It's a prayer that you pray over your children. This is a next generation prayer. You pray this over your children. Not just the circumstances of life would be easier, but Father, through these circumstances, would you so engineer it that they would know of the great power that comes through loving you and believing you and have faith in you. Now, the truth is, when I read this this week, I, I had to question, is this fiction? Because a pastor, if a pastor's with the people at all, he'll know the mistakes of the people. The, may I say it? The the stupid actions that even believers do. So I, I read this and I thought even of you or of me, I said, is this true? Do I really have this kind of power available to me? Then I have to ask myself, why am I not making any more progress morally and spiritually? Why are we not making any more progress morally and spiritually? I mean, this is a whole lot of power. And the Bible would give us at least a couple of reasons. Let me just give you three that 
came readily to mind of why we are not making more progress in our Christianity and our moral life. First, he says in verse 18 that our eyes are dull. If you ask Paul, you say, Paul, you tell me this power is available. Why are not I making more progress? He'd say, well, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart are enlightened. So there's a dullness. The problem is not on the generating end. The problem is on the receiving end. The problem is not that the generators are not winterized. The problem is the receiver, the home, the recipient. My eyes are dull. I don't feel with sensitivity. I don't pray with frequency. There's a dullness. Secondly, I think the second reason the Bible would tell us we don't feel and sense more of this power is demonic activity. Yes, in an age in which I've already spoken of of the atomic power and the atom splitting, there's real evil in our day. There's demonic evil. This very book that we're studying this year, the book of Ephesians, says, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so Satan and his demons are real and they're active. And they're not, they're not God. As I said, Jesus Christ has no competitors. Jesus is omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Satan is none of those things. But Satan is wise, and he has demons assigned to you. And think carefully with me about this. A position coach at the Dallas Cowboys says that we spend about an average of four hours a day studying film. Now, if they study film for four hours a day, how much film study is Satan and his demons doing on you? Do you think that they don't know how to press your buttons? how to discourage you, how to wind you up, how to send somebody else in the room and get you all torqued and all the kind of stuff. The second reason, we don't sense the power in verse 19, not only because our eyes are dull, but because Satan is real and he's active. And the third is this. Those who are healthy often don't know the power of medicine. My family has been privileged. We've not had any real cancer, so we don't know firsthand what the power of cancer therapy is. It's not until you, what, are sick or know someone who is sick that you begin to sense the greatness of modern American medicine. And some of you, you've been kept away from real moral and spiritual sickness. I told my wife uh, this just yesterday. I grew up in a little small county. You heard me say it was not a stoplight in the entire county. My dad was a very authoritarian man. I was more fearful of him than almost anyone. And I told her, I said, I didn't know about all the evil in the world where I grew up. She said it was there. Yes, it was there. But the Lord protects us. We don't realize all that happens of the greatness of the good God will do in our lives. So the Bible calls upon us to pray. So you're dealing with things right now in your life and others' lives, how are you praying? Some of you are praying that the circumstances would change. And I'm here today to tell you that you might be praying against God himself. God may have ordered the circumstances to get your attention or your loved one's attention, and your purpose is not so much praying the circumstances would change, but praying that in the circumstances they would know the power, this power here. So who does it benefit? It benefits believers in Jesus Christ. Doesn't benefit a political party, doesn't benefit an ethnicity, it benefits those who are embracing the Lord Jesus. Here's the third what good does it do? 
what good is it? So I've got all this power, why would I need it? The Bible tells us this power is made available to make you good. To make you good. This power is available to make you honest, to make you just, to make you merciful. This power is available to make you sacrificial, to make you a giving person, a gracious person. This power is available, the resurrection power that seated Jesus Christ is available so that you would not be a stupid, selfish jerk. Is that clear? Your spouse is thanking me right now for saying those words if you're married. It's a power to make you good. In fact, let's go back in verse 18 and verse 19. I want you to see it as it comes right from the page. That you may know, verse 18 it says, and there's three things you're to pray for that you may know. Know what is the hope of your calling. Secondly, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance of the saints. And then third, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. So we are to pray that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Friend, you're not praying that you would receive the calling, that you would receive the hope, or that you would receive the power. You're already in possession of all those. Years ago, there was a wealthy man by the name of William Randolph Hearst. The story is told, whether it's true or not, it should be, that he, being a great art collector, saw a beautiful painting in a magazine. He got his minions together, his servants, and said, I've got to have this painting. Get me this painting. I care not what it costs. I care not what convenience or inconvenience it does to you. Get me the painting. Several months come by, and they say, Mr. Hurst, we found the painting. It's in your warehouse. (laughs) Mr. Hurst owned it, but did not know that he owned it. Are you familiar with the Superman mythology? Can you imagine young Clark Kent sitting on the knee of his mom and dad and they're entertaining and enjoying his presence. Young Clark says to mom and dad, Mr. and Mrs. Clark, dad, what am I capable of? The boy only knew, right? The Bible says you're already in possession of the calling, verse 18. You're already in possession of the hope, and you're already in possession of the power. The prayer is that you may know it. And this power is to make you good, to make you gracious, to make you with patience and love and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. Do you know that list? So first, the power is available to you, but it's to make you good. Secondly, the power is there to change your life. It's here to change your life. This sentence, listen carefully to it, might be one that you just might want to jot down. This will be one of those life-changing sentences. The Bible says that if you're a Christian, if you believe this book, the Bible says if you're a Christian, your bad things will turn out to be good, your good things cannot be taken away from you, and the best things are yet to come. So let me just say that again because I think you missed your amen moment. The Bible says that the bad things about you will turn out for your good. The good things in your life you cannot lose, and the best things are yet to come. 
This power that seated Jesus, eliminated his competition, and raised him from the dead is available to put you in a situation and put this world in a situation to be transformative. Friend, if I had the fingers of Mozart, I could play any tune. If I had the arms of Mike Trout, I could hit any home run. If I had the legs of Michael Jordan, there's not a dunk that I could not dunk. And if I had the mind of Albert Einstein, there's not a mathematical equation I could not solve. But if you give me the life of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, then there's not a moral or spiritual victory that I cannot achieve. That's what's in your warehouse, Mr. and Mrs. Hurst. Are you serious about this Jesus thing? He's either in you or he's not. Now, if you're trusting your parents' religion, you need to experience the transformative power of Christ. You need to know this because this power is unbelievably powerful. Thanks for listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org.